said, here's breaking news, Reynolds. They just treated Tyreek Hill. And I said, oh, that's yes. And he said, it's right here. It has just happened. And I said, I won't believe it until I can see it with my own eyes. There's no way that they traded Tyreek Hill. So when the show was over, he said, look, it's right here. And Beach and all those are saying it did happen. I said, well, I'll be blank. <laughs> John, what was your visceral reaction? Gutted a bit. Um, my son went to Tyreek Hill's camp, my youngest son, and he was a huge Tyreek Hill fan. So it was, you know, I had some conversations with them. This is, I mean, they grew up on Molina and Wainwright, so they haven't had like a key player leave their sports franchises yet. So, so really, you were doing a little cuddling? A little bit. A little, a little cuddling, bit. a little parenting. What yeah. about you, Jake? Same. It was one of those weird, deep, in my gut of my stomach, I was sick at about it because I was looking forward to the juju. The, the What was the aspect of what adding these players to our team? And then I landed myself in the hospital three hours later with chest pain. So I totally blame, <laughs> totally blame Tyreek Hill. And that's true. You like, mean the stress got to you? That well, much? no, it's, that's life right there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's life, but that didn't help. You just got off the phone with Jeremy Bertram, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I don't know, actually. No, it was it was uh, strange, but anyway, go ahead. All right, Josh, what about you? I, my first thought was this is a mistake. There, it's It's stupid that they would even consider getting rid of him. That's it? That's yeah. all you're going to say? Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Your vis- your vis- that was my visceral like, reaction. You guys are idiots. So I was yeah. texting you guys. We have a little group text that we share together, and I said, uh, rumor is trading Tyreek Hill got a few responses, and then within a few minutes, it's like, it's done, it's over, he's traded. So my gut reaction, and I had some arguments with uh, Mike the intern about this. We uh, frequently have share arguments together, <laughs> but I said, you're going to trade a once-in-a-lifetime receiver. Now, I, that's my visceral reaction. Now, let's get everybody's two-week reaction to it. Ned, start they with you. They get a very good remuneration for it. A number one pick, several number twos. They get two, I think, in the fourth and maybe two more in the sixth or something. Maybe they're delayed, but whatever the case might be, you get a first-round pick and two in the second round. That is a really good uh, uh, comeback for what's trading a superstar. Are they a better team? No, they are not. Not in my opinion. They will have to change their whole formula because your deep threat and an individual on whom Mahomes could rely on for being open downfield, that's gone. Now, does that say that Juju Smith-Schuster and some of these others and the Scantling, the kid from Green Bay, can't do that? They all had speed. In Schuster's case, he doesn't have the lateral speed. I've seen that on the on the uh, tapes from the Pittsburgh Steelers days. He mm-hmm. does not have that. He does have forward speed, sure. And Scantling, the thing that bothers me about him, guys, and he's a free agent. And he was a free agent let go after Devontae Adams had been traded to Denver. My God, if he's that good, what are you what are you letting him go? Offering something else as a free agent, but the Packers didn't do that. Maybe there are other factors involved, but that does bother me a little bit about what he is able to bring to the table. I think the Chiefs in the draft will go for a free agent. Uh, I'm not for free for wide receiver somewhere. I think they'll explore the markets. They already are. Uh, you still got Jarvis Landry out there who hasn't been secured by anybody. But there, here your salary cap plays a role. And the Chiefs at last report had about 15 million, I think it's 15 million 200,000 in the salary cap that they could play with. That's cap space. But are they a better team right now? Offensively, no, they are not, in my opinion. 
Are they significantly reduced? That we'll find out as the season goes on. What are your threats, John? So disappointment, first of all, because I, I looked forward to the day when, you know, we'd have in the ring of honor, Kelsey Hill and Mahomes. And not that that still won't happen, but I just never saw him in anything but a chief's uniform. This is going to be a very different team next year, you know, as Ned alluded to. And, you know, in the back of my mind, whether or not this is true, I, I know financially is the main reason it was motivated, but I also look at it as, you know what? If you won't stop playing with that toy, I'm going to take it away. And I wonder if that wasn't some of the motivation behind this to get him to stop throwing those deep balls when he could throw a short pass. So I don't, you know, there's no validity behind that. And that's just my gut feeling. But it's it's going to be a lot different team. Um, and it just remains to be seen the guys they're bringing in, you know, what they bring to the table at this stage in their career and how they're going to do. Jake, what about you? Okay, so I immediately went to what I always do, which is logic. And, you know, Veach is, I don't believe Veach is a very, very good GM. Andy Reid's probably one of the best coaches out there. So I put my trust in those people's hands. There had to be a reason. It came down to money. That was it. There was no other reason. They weren't pissed. He didn't do anything wrong. It was all about the money. He wanted more than what Devontae Adams got, which he did. Um, so he's 28 years old. That's the next thing I looked up. How many years do we have of this guy in this speed? Not very many. Probably two. Um, last year, he didn't have, he had a good year, but it wasn't like the previous five. Um, so then I started really thinking about, because I had to calm myself down. I was sitting in the hospital. <laughs> I had to calm myself down. But um, here's the thing. When he would, did not play, I think Mahomes is like four and one. And in all of them, he threw for over 300 yards. In one of them, he threw over 500 yards set a, and set a record for touchdowns in that one game without having his biggest, best wide receiver out there. And so I'm okay with it. I think it's a smart move. And, and I, I looked it up. Two first-rounders, two second-rounders, two third-rounders, two fourth-rounders. And four in the seventh. So they have a lot of, they got six picks in the first four rounds. And you can't tell me they're not going to go after some. And yes, there's some, they can kind of piecemeal together. Are they going to be the Chiefs next year? Probably not. They're going to have to fight hard to win the division. But the, I think the long term thing, if people can see the fours, you know how they say you can't see the fours for the trees. If you can look past this and look two or three years down the road, I think. This is a smart move, but at first your knee-jerk reaction was to get a rope. Let's go hang Brian Veach, and, you know. And and then after, like I said, after I thought about that, you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna trust the the guys there, and so that's what I did. And I think we'll be fine. What do you think, Josh? Well, these things always come down to money, which is unfortunate. And so it's the formula that creates the desire for these players so everybody has said you know uh Tyreek Hill is still at his peak but he's at his peak so he's only got a couple more quality years left in him whatever and he wanted a lot of money he wanted to be the highest paid receiver which no receiver should get 30 million dollars a year that's insane <laughs> that's quarterback money man but yeah that is that's quarterback <laughs> money um I still feel like it was a mistake I mean I still feel like 
I get tired of of the argument of oh well he's getting old he's going to lose a step he hasn't yet so they're they're banking on a future that's uncertain instead of a present that was certain and so that's what disappoints me is because okay so maybe he only had a couple years left in him he, they were good years they would be good years I mean he's a quality receiver you're going to see that I mean he may not have the spectacular season that he had with the Chiefs but He's still he's gonna he's gonna remind us of why we wanted him to be a chief. I think you're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports show, one hundred four point seven, The Cave. Let me just go over these numbers because this season most people looked at Tyreek Hill and said down year, led the Chiefs in receiving twelve hundred thirty nine yards, one hundred and eleven catches, nine touchdowns, and there were a lot of games that you looked at him and you go. Well, just he was not a factor. They double teamed him and he became a factor because he was double teamed and was taken out of uh, a lot of teams game plans. Now you don't have that. You don't have a guy that the the other team's going to go to and say, we need to double team these guys, this guy, unless it is Travis Kelsey. You do have two receivers with size now, which is something that I felt like the Chiefs had been missing, especially when I. I watched Pittsburgh play a couple times this year, and Ben Roethlisberger was honestly a shell of himself, but he would throw passes up, and his receiving core was all quite large, and they would get up and get some balls that other guys couldn't get to, and I thought, man, if Patrick Mahomes had that. But like I said, Mike and I argued about this. He was uh, he was in that, that girl stepped out on me. She's done. I don't care. We're better for it mode already. <laughs> And the argument that we had that I'll ask you guys about, is Patrick Mahomes as good a quarterback as Tyreek Hill made him, or is Tyreek Hill as good a receiver as Patrick Mahomes made him? I fall into that category that you just mentioned, though. When the girl steps out on you, you're, you're looking for something that needed to happen and all this sort of thing. going to get better. Been there, done that. So. I want to talk about the rebound. The, there is no rebound. Oh, the rebound is named Marquez Valdez Scantling. Oh, to do any rebounding. Moi is not. You can read into that whatever you want. All right. All right. We're going downhill. Oh, wow. Here, here's uh, I, Mahomes is a is a talented quarterback. There is no question about that. He was made uh, by Tyreek Hill to look tremendous, whether or not he still is. I, I agree with Joe, too, in part, because I think some of his long passes were not looked upon with great favor by the Chiefs. Case in point was that right before the end of the first half that in the playoff game that they lost the Cincinnati Bengals, who was the receiver he went to who went out of bounds? Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. That's who they pushed out. Okay, the fact of the matter remains, he does not have that man around now. He does have Travis Kelsey, but why was Kelsey as good as he was? Tyreek Hill. Right. He had the down feel, the long intimidation, and that does not exist now because I don't care who you get, you're not going to have the intimidation factor that a Tyreek Hill had. So from that part of their, their offense, I think they do suffer. Do they revamp it? Because I think that Jake came up with the very best answer there with uh, Andy Reid. He, he now, look, look at the time he has now to revamp that offense. Now, does he have the players? I think he does. He, he has them. Are they going to be the same team? No, they will not be. Still, it's a gamble. It's a gamble that may pay off. 
I don't think they're going to be as good a team as they have been, and you're absolutely right about the AFC West. That's going to be a juggernaut to try Tough. to get through. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's, there's a lot of proof that Mahomes has to be able to create um, in the fan base and the coaching staff to say, hey, we'll be all right. Follow-up question, Ned, before you pass off the mic. What's your gut feeling? Because, uh, you know, every Chiefs fan, I think, out there started to utter what, what would be curse words a few months back. Well, Odell Beckham Jr.'s out there and uh, and uh, the guy from the Browns. Why are these guys on the market? Why are they still out there? There's That's a question that is very, very well put. The same, the same with that uh, scantling kid from the Green Bay Packers. Why are they there? There is a reason. Yeah, money is probably part of it. But also, what is their attitude? And how do they work in with the team? And I have to think, in at least the one case with the guy from the Packers, I think that may be a considerable factor. But they're good, and they're questions that have to be answered, and that's where the general manager has to earn his pay. All right, John, let's get your take on this whole thing. So, in answer to your original question, and this probably isn't going to be popular, I think... always say that. Why do you do that? (laughs) <laughs> I, I I think that Hill made Mahomes a better quarterback. I don't think it was the other way around. Um, you know, Hill put up huge numbers with Alex Smith, you know, at the end. It's no offense to Mahomes. He is definitely, and please hear me clearly, I think he is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. However, if you traditionally look back at quarterbacks that are in the Hall of Fame, Montana had Rice. We all know that. Steve Young had Rice for a little bit. You look at somebody that didn't ever win it, like Dan Marino, and people don't realize he had two Hall of Fame caliber receivers for almost a decade, Mark Clayton and Mark Duper. You have to have these go-to guys to be successful. So the Chiefs did do the logical thing, and I agree with going out and getting potential. Scantling's always underachieved, in my opinion. Will he ever do it? I don't know. Same thing with Schuster. You know, he came in heralded. He's had some good seasons with Pittsburgh. He hasn't had that all-pro season to me yet. So they're calculated risk. But at the same time, I think this team's going to look a lot different next year without Tyreek Hill. And hopefully Mahomes can adjust to that. And we bring up the point with Andy Reid. He's a great coach. He'll figure out a way to try to make this offense work. I just don't know how quickly that'll come together, and you just never know if those two receivers you added are the right pieces. McCole Hardiman is rumored to be as fast as Tyreek Hill, but he's never shown the ability to find a way to get open. Tyreek Hill was a guy that could catch the ball on one hash mark and then be to the other side of the field before you knew it. And, I mean, that was what was amazing about him. What do you think, Jake? I mean, uh, what's your opinion on this this topic. Man, there's a lot of questions in there. Um, I was looking up to Hall, Hall let's see, 5'10". So, McCole Harbin's 5'10". Um, Hill is shorter. His center gravity, they're totally built different. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't think that McCole has, he's more lanky for being 5'10", where Hill is like all legs. I've never seen anything like it. Also, if you look at Hill's catches, um, he doesn't use his hands, he uses his body. Yeah. So when you think of a receiver, this is your your hands are what you catch the ball with. You're taught in school not to use it. It'll bounce right off your chest. Now, yeah. he also got op- wide open. So to catch these balls, I mean, he just sat there underneath it and got it and then made things happen. And he's just so fast with his 
basically left and right instead of going north and south. He and, and if you listen or watch games with Chief fans, we all cuss. Why did Kelsey catch it here? Go with back three yards, try to make you know, but it's something they came up with. And then you have Andy Reid, and you know, look at what he did at the Eagles. Okay, other than Terrell Owens, he did not ever have a, a Hall of Fame wide receiver ever with under McNabb. McNabb was not, I'd say, maybe a top ten quarterback, but man, what he did around him. And what what Andy did with what he had, what he did with Michael Vick bringing him back, and what they did and made the playoffs, that is our key factor, is Andy Reid. One of the things, when you look at Tyree Kill, I'll stay with you for just a second, Jake. When you look at Tyree Kill, all the skills that you just described are punt returner, kick returner skills. And so many of those guys have never made the transition away from being a special teams player to being a regular player. That speaks to Tyree Kill. That speaks to the ability to become such a great route runner and then also yards after tackle. I mean, he really honestly, once-in-a-lifetime receiver, I would say. Yeah, the the, the one pass that um, he scored with the Chiefs against the Bills in, in this past playoffs, the 13-second game. Yeah. Where he got hit over the over the middle at the thirty yards into and then just sped right past four people. Yeah, and these four people within the room of this the the size of this room where there was four people to get and he. So this is going to be a difference and it's going to be a difference maker. I think Mahomes is super special that he made Tyreek Hill who he is. You got to get the ball out there. Yeah, remember Randy Moss. I mean, all you do is throw the ball up, and he'd get it. Yeah. And so he made Dante Culpepper and Randall Cunningham, and those guys look real. Brad Johnson, those guys look good because of Randy Moss. So, But I think this is different with Mahomes because this kid is something special. And you ask any player or any any fan of any team, they all wish they had Mahomes. They do. All right. What about you, Josh? Well, I still come back to the whole idea that uh, – the NFL, just like most professional sports, they want we want instant gratification. And so to me, what doesn't make sense with this whole situation is they're banking on the future. They're hoping that Juju Smith-Schuster will be better. They're hoping that Scantling won't be a cornflake like he's been in the past. Where they had this solid, almost unstoppable receiver just because of his speed and his, his agility... So I just, I don't, I mean, I don't know what they're thinking with that, except it's, like I said, it comes back to money. So um, the fact that they got so many draft picks, I think, will hopefully help them secure the other parts of their team that they need to. And then we'll just have to see. I mean, you're never going to replace a guy like Tyreek Hill because how often does a guy come along that's that, that has that great of, straight line speed and that great lateral movement. It just doesn't happen. Where do, let me ask you this question, Ned, and maybe you know off the top of your head, maybe you'd have to look it up. Where did they draft Tyreek Hill at? Do you know? I think he was, uh, was it a fourth, fourth round. Fourth round, wasn't it? Or fifth, 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 round? Fifth, round. fifth round? Fifth round. Fifth round out of West Alabama. Now, that's the college for whom he played for the most part. He was a... Uh, He's an interesting character. It's a JUCO transfer from, uh, I think it was Garden City, if I'm not mistaken. Garden City Community College and Oklahoma State is where he went for one year. Mm-hmm. And that's all he played was one year. He also played in a postseason game for Oklahoma State and then got into the 
assault, the domestic assault. And Oklahoma State, not going to have any of that. Out, out, you're gone. Then transferred down to West Alabama, which is a D2 school. And that's where he's a good player. But the Chiefs saw him down there. They saw him really at Oklahoma State, where he was able to gain so much with the tremendous speed that he had. And he had, oh, I think it was a 97-yard punt return against uh, maybe Texas or somebody. It was wow. in the Red River Red River shootout, as a matter of fact. It was against Texas, had one of those. So uh, and that's, I'm sorry, that's Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State and uh, Texas Anyway, he had a long punt return, and that impressed everybody. He was a known known quantity in college, although he did have something of a disturbed background there. But fifth round is where they got him. Hmm, that's interesting. Maybe they can catch lightning in a bottle. But another interesting fact that I'm sure nobody has on the top of their heads is, has a team ever let go their top rusher and their top receiver in the same season and then returned to the playoffs or the Super Bowl? That would be an interesting question to look up. Yeah, We've got yeah, more yeah. Chiefs news to talk about when we come back, but we'll turn to the NCAA tournament next right here on 104.7 The Cave. Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7, The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. I thought there was a good chance that we would uh, be turning this segment over to our good friend Josh Roberts, who believed that all sports, who has the belief that all sports are fixed. <laughs> They're all wrestling now at this point because Mike Krzyzewski would be in the championship game tomorrow night. But uh, apparently North Carolina did not get the script. Nope. That was a great game last night. It was. That was a really good game. And there was a while there that it looked like it was all going to be pulled off. The story was written. Duke was going to be in the finals. They were going to play KU. Wow. Can you imagine the ratings for that? Still going to have good ratings because you can't get much more blue-blooded unless Kentucky was in there than what we've got right now with North Carolina and the team from Kansas. Let's talk about that. What have you thought about the tournament so far? Uh, the team from Kansas is KU, and they are very, Well, K-State's very, there, too, you know. Well, yeah, <laughs> but they're not, they're not in this tournament. Uh, very good. They're a very good basketball team. Incidentally, you could still maintain that conspiracy theory about Duke because they had every opportunity to win that sure game. They, they were 12 of 20 from the free throw line. That's unacceptable. Now their coach stinks. Fire him. <laughs> <laughs> but when you go 12 of 20, you've missed eight sure things right there. Uh, Duke, Duke just does not, I don't know what it is that they don't have, but they don't have that that final instinct to get over the finish line and take the checkered flag. Sashevsky is there. He's a great coach. The record speaks for itself. But this Duke team, they're very young. I think it's one of the reasons why. Now, as far are you making reference, Joe, to the uh, K, the game tomorrow night, KU North Carolina? Uh, yes, just talking about the whole thing. I just want to know what you thought of the tournament, what you think of the finals. Give us your pick. The tournament's been good. It has uh, been very exciting. These are blue blood teams that are there. Same with the women's tournament tonight. Yeah. They're, uh, these are all blue blood teams. There's no no surprise, no Cinderella's uh, creeping into this thing. KU and North Carolina have a storied history about them. 
And uh, when when you go back, and we're going back into the 1920s and the 1910s, these programs are among the foremost in the country, if not the foremost. So from the historical standpoint, it should be a really great battle. I think, I think in my opinion, that KU may have the better team. Now you look at their, their and the reason is they're shooting. They had a tremendous shooting night last night, tremendous shooting night. The three points are the ones that everybody looks at, but you know Villanova had the same number. They each had 13 successful trees. Differences percentage. And uh, in terms of how KU shot and how Villanova shot, hugely different. Villanova was under under 50%, right around 40% from three-point range, and KU was 53%. And just shooting lights out. Great, great offensive performance. They do that. Tomorrow night against North Carolina, KU wears the crown. Let me ask you this, and I know you hate this term. You're not a big fan of the underdog term. But can't you kind of paint North Carolina as an underdog? I mean, because they were an eighth seed in this tournament. Well, they, and, and KU's number one. They yeah. are the only number one seed that made the tournament this year. Uh, made the uh, Final Four, I should say. Uh, yeah, they're a bit of an underdog. And I'm, I have not seen what the spread is in this game. Is it four? Let's say four. If I were into putting chocolate chips on these games, <laughs> I would. Uh, I'd give the points and go with the uh, Jayhawks. Let's wait. I'm going to ask you one more question. Let's go over to the disc staff side. You're the guy that taught me that word, by the way. <laughs> disc staff. Just by watching the you on, t- on the- TV. Gino Oriema, if they win the tournament this year, is it probably his best coaching that he's uh, ever done? No question about it. It will be. It yeah. will be his best coaching. I'm going to give you, there is history between these two teams. They oh, yeah. played back in November in the one of those Bahama tournaments that they played in. It was a championship game, and it was within two or three points at the end of the third period. South Carolina won at 72-58 to 58 because Connecticut scored three points in the final ten minutes. Three points. Oof. Is that going to happen again? I don't think so. Well, let me me ask you, you picked Kansas to win the national championship on the men's side. Who do you have on the women's side? That's what I was going to get to. I I really feel like player for player, South Carolina is probably the stronger of the two teams. When they played earlier this year, back in November, Beckers did play, and she had 18 or 19 points. I don't remember what it was. But how often is a team going to get shut down with three in the fourth period? Not very often, and certainly not Connecticut. These teams were to have played a second time this year back in late January, but South Carolina called that one off because they needed to make up some SEC games, and Connecticut said, we need to make up some Big East games, and Beckers wasn't there with the team. She is now. She is the catalyst of this team. She's a great player. South Carolina's Boston player, it's her last name is Boston, is the player of the year. Beckers was the player of the year last year. I think you will see an absolute dynamite basketball game tonight. Stronger team is South Carolina. Probably South Carolina gets the nod, but Oriema is a brilliant, brilliant coach. Let's go to John Oliver with his unpopular opinion. Oh, no, I have a popular opinion for once. So this will be a good championship game. Um, I'm not a fan of either team. No offense to the people that are. I'm sure it'll be a great game. Um, I do want to talk about the overall tournament. What keeps me coming back each year are stories like St. Peter's. And there's been a lot of news about St. Peter's, you know, since they did go out in the Elite Eight. 
one of the things that really touched me and it just sums up what this is all about. So Shaheem Holloway, of course, led that team to an amazing run, historic run. Well, his alma mater was Seton Hall. I think I mentioned that on the show a couple of weeks ago. He is now the new coach at Seton Hall. Going back home, during the press conference for that, the entire roster of St. Peter's was in attendance. The basketball players, when they came into the building, got a standing ovation. They got a standing ovation when they walked out. Uh, They interviewed Doug Eddard, who was one of the main cogs of that team, and he said, Coach deserves this more than any other person on the planet. He's that good of a coach. He's going to make this program elite. That's what keeps me coming back are stories like that. And I think you you have to look at what he did with these young men this year. No scholarships. No one recruited by any major school that was on that roster. And, man, did they make a run. So that that's what it's about to me. I love the underdog stories. You know, we don't have that this year, which is okay. But I do think the championship will be a really good game. And then they all transfer to Seton Hall. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm sure right. that uh, that will happen a little bit. All right, Jake. Jake's our KU fan. What do you? I'm sure you're over the moon right now. It was nice to see them play some hoops. Um, watching the entire tournament, you saw a glimpse of what they did yesterday against Miami last weekend. So let's just hope that they can just keep that going because you are right. It's going to take some sharp shooting. Um, I do believe UNC is a little bit bigger than Kansas is. So it's, you're going to be smart and not get into foul trouble because our depth at the big man is very, very, not very big. We don't have a lot of guys. So um, David McCormick is going to have to have the same kind of game, 20, 25 points. Um, Ochai Abadji has got to score 20, 25 points. Brown has to get his head out of his butt. I don't know what's going on there. Um, I don't know if this is, but he's played great and averaged 18 points for the season, and now he's not even getting in 10 points. Um, now, because of him, the, the, he did put the ice on the cake last night with a weird turnaround 33-foot three-pointer <laughs> that just hit nothing but the net. So uh, that was a great game. Um, I didn't think KU was going to have a problem with Villanova going into it because you just haven't really heard about Villanova all year. I have said all tournament long watching North Carolina, that is a scary team. Um, they almost lost it to Baylor, let him come back from 25 down to go into overtime. But they turned it around. And Hubert Davis, my hat's off to this guy. First year coming in and got these guys playing some good ball. Um, I, it's going to be a good game. And it's the first time that I can remember that all four teams in the Final Four were blue blood. I, I didn't, it's been a long time. The, the Understalling story or the Cinderella story or the Loyola's Baylor last year, who thought that was going to happen for Big 12 teams. So. Man, this, this has been a good one. And it's been good for college hoops. Um, KU had the number one ranked team going into 2020 and probably would have won that year, but COVID messed that up. So they all the team that's still the same team minus a couple of guys are dedicating this run to the 2020 guys because they didn't get a chance to play. I know Josh is kind of along the same lines with me, not as huge college hoops fan as I used to be. Yeah. But I think the headline here for the NCAA is uh, there was no big headline all season long. There was no major player that everybody was watching. There was no major team that everybody was watching. So the very best that they could hope for is two Blue Bloods in the championship, and that's what they got. So people know North Carolina. People know Kansas. So people are going to tune in and watch that game, period. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. And it's been a very interesting tournament because we had some good upsets. We had some some Cinderella stories for a while. 
And then the, uh, I think people are, are maybe not giving North Carolina as much credit as they deserve because, I mean, they did not have a good regular season. You know, the highlight of their season was beating Duke in Durham, you know, wherever Duke is. I don't know. In North Carolina. Chapel Durham. Hill. Yeah, yep, Chapel Durham. Hill. At pretty handily, you know, and everybody was talking about that. Like, oh, here's this underperforming North Carolina team that, you know, put a spanking on Duke at the end of the regular season. But then I didn't realize that this, that meeting of, of Duke and North Carolina in the Final Four is the first time they've ever met in the tournament. Correct. <laughs> After all these years. And I get it. They, they want to put them in different regions so that they you know you can get a situation yes. like this but it had never happened until this year so that's pretty crazy but yeah i mean i'm i'm excited for the national championship i'm not a fan of either one of these teams but ku is a solid i mean they looked great against villanova they they dominated villanova they got off to a 10-0 run at the beginning and never looked back mm-hmm. and villanova is no slouch i mean no. they've won two national championships in the last five years yeah exactly so, and they're a, little, be, they're a little banged up, too. Right. Debate one point, you said in their team that nobody talked about. Well, yes, they did, too. Gonzaga. Yeah. Everybody bye. had Gonzaga on their on their charges going uh, a long way and maybe winning a national title. Now comes the point that we did make up several weeks ago. What kind of a league does Gonzaga play in? Yeah. One of the reasons they had this we, magnificently uh, uh, record is because of the uh, league. At San Francisco and St. Mary's. The two top teams, other than Gonzaga, in that league. Otherwise, they're beating the hell out of everybody. So these other teams, like North Carolina playing in the ACC, and Kansas playing in a very good, uh, underrated Big 12, yeah. uh, that, that will lend to a, a record. <laughs> KU, what, what, lost six games this yes. year? Oh, my God, six games. <laughs> Fire the coach. Right, uh, seriously. The, the fact of the matter remains, you're playing a really, really st- stiff schedule. Unlike some of these other teams that I'm not saying they're bogus. That's not the case at all. But your chances of an upset in the tournament are a little more realistic than it is with these blue blood teams. When we come back, we'll talk a little more about the Chiefs and a couple of signings that they made. And we'll talk about a big signing in the Cardinal universe next on Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. I don't know how far along we are on the clock till the start of the NFL season, but man, I'm I, I haven't been this excited for the start of the NFL season. I can't remember when, since I was a kid. Just all the changes, everything that's going on. And I'm excited to see the Chiefs because I agree with you guys that Brett Veach and Andy Reid, they know what they're doing, so i got to trust those guys. But this this move, and, I, and Jake was a bit surprised about it. Darren Williams out. McKinnon didn't sign with the Chiefs again. And the big sign over the week, this is Ronald Jones the second He played at Tampa Bay. I'm looking at the numbers, and they are, uh, well, I guess underwhelming would be the uh, the choice that I would use. 101 attempts, 428 yards, averages 4.2 per carry, four touchdowns, receiving 10 receptions. 10 receptions. 10. Can I say 10? 
How There's many, uh, many a, couple of, a couple of Chiefs running backs that probably do that nearly in a game. Let's talk about 10 total. 10 total. 64 yards, 6.4 yards, his longest reception, 52. And he is the guy that the uh, Chiefs are turning to to back up Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. What do you guys think about that? Well, you're, the numbers that you portrayed are pedestrian, to say the very least. Uh, he outstanding running back at Southern Cal. That's all really I can say about him. have not followed him all that much in the NFL, so offering some kind of, uh, oh gosh, what you would call a considered opinion about him, I, I can't do. But I do know at Southern Cal, he was a fine player. Maybe, uh, maybe they're catching that, quote, lightning in a bottle, end quote. What do you think, uh, John, about this one? It's just like I mentioned earlier. It's a calculated risk. He was one of the better running backs available on the market. Um, he was highly touted out of USC, as Ned said. He has been, by all counts, a disappointment in Tampa Bay. So maybe he puts it together, maybe a new scheme and a new look. You know, sometimes that brings out the best in players. Um, you know, we saw that last year with Melvin, Melvin Ingram. You know, you just never know how it's going to work out. But I'm not entirely sold on him being a, a viable running option for the Chiefs. Jake, this is brand new news to you. So what are, you, what are your thoughts about this? Williams had 47 catches last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And had some big, he was big in the playoffs. So, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't understand getting rid of a guy that already knows the system. I don't understand why you wouldn't resign him um, in Williams over a guy that has been a bench warmer uh, basically since Leonard Fournette got to Tampa Bay. Now, if we got Leonard Fournette, I'd be like, hmm, all right, CEH who? But this is not the dude, and so I hope that they they can say, again, I'm putting trust in the guys, but, man, letting Williams go, the guy had hands. He really did have hands. And answer your question, it's 161 days to the hour. Okay, 161 days to the hour. All right, what about you, Mr. Roberts? I feel like they should have gotten rid of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and there's no reason to have signed this guy, in my opinion. I mean, I his numbers are not impressive. He uh, Matt Leinert was a standout at USC. What'd that get him? <laughs> Reggie Bush was a standout at USC. He had to give back his Heisman Trophy. So... Um, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, you guys are saying you trust the, the staff of the Chiefs. I, I don't know if I do anymore. I think they make some really weird decisions. Well, it's interesting what's going on in the Chiefs kingdom. Let, let's, let's continue on football for just a second. The old coach of Ronald Jones has resigned, is retired. He's moved up to the front office, Bruce Arians. What's your thoughts on that whole thing happening? I think his statement was not just one that he was uh, concocted on the spot. I think that really played into what he did. He's 69 years old. Guy's been around. Heck, he coached at my alma mater for a number of years and had them playing very, very good football back in the late 70s and early 80s. But in the NFL, his his record speaks for itself with Tampa Bay, of course. When he... When he decided to stay at the end of the season, it was when Brady retired. I don't think that it, it did indirectly has something to do with Brady. He thought, hey, I brought my assistant coaches on, and uh, they're going to be able to stay and come on. Well, when if I leave and a new coach comes in, hey, he's going to bring in a whole new staff. Is that fair to my associates here? No, it is not, so I'm going to stay. When Brady came back, he said, oh, my gosh, this team is going to be intact again. They don't need me here. 
So I think maybe I'm going to take the opportunity now because they will remain. The staff will remain. So I'm, I have that pressure taken off my shoulders now. And, and I do understand that. I think that's probably legit. You don't think the Brady decision had anything to do other than keeping his staff intact? I think that's the, exactly the reason. I don't think there was any rift at all between them. What do you think, John? I think it was probably time. I mean, Arians has had his moment in the sun. Um, Todd Bowles, who's getting overlooked in this story, is an exceptional coach. He, and I'll I'll say that I'll talk about the elephant in the room. We have got to have more hires of color for head coaching jobs in the NFL. This is a great hire in regards to that. Smart, smart, smart smart coach very well respected by his players i think it was a it was a dual thing of arians realizing okay i probably don't need to be here with brady coming back as ned said but i think the other thing was he knows it's it's todd's time and he's ready to hand, hand the team off it's going to be a smooth transition they know the system they're used to him i think this is a, a great decision for tampa bay jake well i don't i don't i'm not a fan of Tom Brady, period. <laughs> so having a guy that came and did a really junky, you say he's a great coach, but he did terrible at the Jets. I know that's a completely different uh, organization, but I do think that that's why Arians hung the helm, you know, hung his hat on the job because he, he, there's nothing left to. There's really nothing to do in the off season. There's really the draft day is not going to be have to be some like for us for the Chiefs. So, yeah. I, you know, he's old, you know, and he wanted to do something a little bit different, though. It didn't require him on the field or traveling so much, I'm sure. So, what about you, Josh? I'm so tired of hearing about Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't they go back to being 0 17 like they were when they first started? Go back football? to those those old uh, light sort of peach creamsicle. They are going to wear them oh, this year. Oh, yes. Maybe they'll lose every game. <laughs> yeah. We, we need oh, to yeah. have that as a topic of conversation our favorite uniforms, but let's, let's turn to baseball for just a minute. It is spring and we've not really talked about baseball that much. We've talked about the NFL most of the day. And of course, March madness, we could talk about golf, but let's talk about Albert Pujols. He's back with the St. Louis Cardinals. The big three are going to go out together, which is a great story if you're a Cardinals fan. And it's a great bookend to Albert Pujols' career if he's worth anything this year. Ned, what are your thoughts? Well, we assume they're all three going out. Actually, Pujols is the only one who said this is it. The others said, well, probably. But <laughs> but in Pujols' case, I think the handwriting was on the wall to begin with. Why the delay? Well, his wife was why they live in california she is suffering from a brain tumor i think it is benign they had the surgery while he was there in camp he would not have come back had he not been guaranteed the surgery was going to be hugely successful so i think he, he took all that time to make the decision but the cardinals they are an iconic team they are the team in the midwest that everybody follows attendance is always great but attendance was down last year not significantly to the point of panicking, but it was down. Down, does that reflect on baseball? Does it reflect on the Cardinals? The answers are yes and yes. What can we do? Bring back Albert. Done primarily for the gate, in my opinion. Yeah, he may get some home runs. I don't think he'll get 21, get 700. But he'll get some hits, some key hits. The fans will love it. The fans will be there. What was it that Marmol said the other day? 
uh, April 7th, which is this Thursday, is going to be a very loud day at uh, Bush Stadium in St. Louis. It's all about what they can afford. Was it $2.5 million? It's paltry. He doesn't need that, but he's coming back to be a part of his team. Is he going to be a DH? Yes. Okay. I don't see them playing him playing him in the field very much. Right. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question, John, because, you know, this is a nice story, and the uh-huh. Cardinals didn't have to sign him, and I'm sure there's a few teams out there that probably would have paid him more. But one of the things that's always kind of struck me about the Albert Pujols story is that when he left and went to the Angels and cashed in on that big contract, which nobody can blame him for that, uh-uh. Cardinals fans didn't hate him. He was not hated. You didn't hear his name, you know, taken in vain. No jerseys were burned. Mm-hmm. And I think Cardinal fans always kind of expected this day. I think they. this was the worst kept secret in baseball. You know, I I think I said this six months ago that this was probably going to be a reunion. So it, it's been in the cards. They threw out a couple of red herrings with, you know, the Rockies and Twins being interested. No, that was never the case. So this is a great signing, in my opinion, because... Anyone who's watched Albert Pujol over the years like I have, you hear interviews with him and he understands the history of the game. He is a student of the game. He right now sits with, you know, 700 and, or sorry, 679 home runs in his career. Epic, epic career if it ended yep. today. And he realizes you know, a lot of the greats signed that last year deal with the team that originally had them. And this is exactly the way a player of his caliber should go out. It's going to be great for the fans along with Molina and Wainwright. I'm not convinced Wainwright's not coming back next year because he's just on the edge of a Hall of Fame statistical career. He puts a few more wins under the belt. I think he's a shoe in Molina's in Albert's in. I do think he's got a shot at the 21 home runs. When you look at what he did with the Angels and the Dodgers last year, he was a platoon player. He still hit around 14 home runs for the Dodgers, and I think he had six or seven with Anaheim. He's in better shape this year. You can tell it. He's feeling better. He hasn't been able to run the last couple years, but his legs look as good as they've looked in the past five years. I think this is a win-win, but Ned did hit it on the head. I mean, this is to put butts in seats. Let's call it what it is, and it will. I think it's a great story. This is the way baseball used to work with, you know, sending out these all-time greats the way they should be sent out. So I'm, a, I'm in favor of it. I think it'll be historic. And I, I am, for one, one of the people that really hopes he can muster the 21 home runs because I think that would be electric for St. Louis. Jake and Josh, you guys are not uh, not uh, fans of the Cardinals, so we'll, we'll, <laughs> no, we'll have not you both di- of you I briefly. Go around like, eh, dang you. No, no, I do. I do. Okay, though. that's just John. Yeah, that's We're, me. Yeah. It's just him. Okay. No, I think it was pretty cool seeing Wainwright and uh, Melina and him back together. If they go out together, that's awesome. I think it's really good for Cardinals, uh, the baseball team. They needed something this year. I really do. So, um, and And you know what's cool about him? And why the Cardinal fans didn't care that he left. He played for them for a long time. Not one scandal. Not one thing in the newspapers. Not one thing off off the... No. And then he goes there. And we didn't get to see him much because he's playing on the on the West Coast. And all their games are at 10 o'clock at night. And so he comes back. And I'll tell you, I, I hope he does very well. I really do. And I hope that he goes out and, and he gets his hits and his time as a DH. But I don't see him hitting 20. I think I think he probably hits maybe ten or fifteen. So, All right. what is what about you, Josh? Uh, I hope that <laughs> Cardinal fans find 
the right things to bitch about this season because that's what they do. <laughs> they're the they're, Cardinal fans are sore winners, and this is coming from a Cubs fan. So whatever, take it with a grain of salt. But I think it'd be cool if Pujols got to set or what is it, eight hundred home runs, seven hundred, whatever. That's a cool milestone. I don't care. <laughs> All right, we'll be back to wrap up the show in just a second. On that note, it's Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. You know, we started early and we're still running over. Hard to believe. And we didn't talk about so many things. Ned mentioned to me all the things we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about the possibility of the Chiefs moving. We didn't talk about the new Lady Bears coach. A lot of, I listened to you all week. I, I re- highly recommend to people listen to Mike the intern and, and Ned Reynolds do their sportscast. It happens 7.20 and 8.20. And then Ned does the sportscast throughout the day. But I learn more in that five minutes than I do watching ESPN for five hours because <laughs> Ned's just so informational about all that. So we got Ned's picks as we came into the show, and we'll reiterate that again. You picked South K- Carolina? K- KU tomorrow night. I think KU beats North Carolina. And the Connecticut-South Carolina game tonight will be an absolute dandy. I'm going to shy away from picking a winner because oh, either on. one, South Carolina is a stronger team physically but Connecticut has Gina Oriema and Paige Beckers out there to lead the team. Anything can happen. I do not see Connecticut falling with three points in the fourth period like they did in the first game with this team. I think it'll be a terrific basketball game. We'll check that off with the UConn pick there. How about you, John? Rather than make a pick, I want to deliver a message of peace and love. Um, you know, I did laugh. I know this is going to be an unpopular I did laugh opinion. at uh, Josh's joke about the Cardinals fans, but then I saw their reaction. So I'm going to have to slap you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bring it on, sucker. I'm not going to stand here with my hands behind my back. Keep the Cardinals name out of your mouth. <laughs> oh, easy there, Will Smith. You're not going to make a pick? I'm actually going to pick. I'm sorry, Jake, for this. I'm going to pick North Carolina and definitely Connecticut. Jake, we don't even need to ask you who you pick in KU. You know. Yeah, they're going to win by, by double digits. Easy. Yeah. They're right. favored for four. And then I'm not going to bet against Gino. When he's in there, UConn's probably going to take care of business. But I don't know, man. South Carolina looks really good for the ladies. Joshy? I'll go with South Carolina in the women's game, uh, just because Gino Oriyama is kind of a butthole. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think KU will take care of North Carolina. KU just looks so strong against Villanova. I don't see them giving up on that. They're they're in the mode. They're in the zone. All right, I'm, I'm picking North Carolina. I just think that would be a great story, and I'm also going to pick South Carolina. I'm going to win the Carolinas. I pick them to win. A lot of interesting stuff to talk about next week. We'll try to get to uh, all the things we missed this week, and we won't take a week off for a while. Thank you, Ned. Thank you, John. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Jake. We'll see you next Sunday. You can download us as a podcast through our website, 1047thecave.com, or through our cave app. Thanks to Nick Fury. Thanks to Corbin Campbell, Brian Tyndall, and Mike Holmes. We'll see you next week.